Welcome to season five of the Retail Tea Break podcast. My name is Melissa Moore, the Retail Advisor, and each week I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and brands to dispel the myths, share their knowledge and give you an insight into the retail industry. You can listen back to previous episodes on your favourite podcast platform or on YouTube. And while you're there, please subscribe to the podcast so that you get to listen to it first every week. In the meantime, grab that cup of tea, sit back and listen in to season five of the Retail Tea Break podcast. Today's episode of the Retail Tea Break podcast is sponsored by True Rating, unlocking the voice of every customer. And I'm joined by a former lawyer who became fascinated with how to measure, understand and predict human behaviour. She'd noticed the rise of online review sites and the impact they were having on businesses. And then having worked for WITCH, the largest consumer association in Europe, and working with the EU and UK governments, she became a champion for consumer rights in the then evolving online data and privacy space. All of this led to the creation of a multi-award-winning global, rapidly scaling tech startup. Georgina Nelson, CEO and co-founder of True Rating, welcome to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Melissa. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm thrilled we're getting to have this conversation. There's loads of exciting data points I know you've pulled, and I'm fascinated to learn a little bit more about the business. So without further ado, in the time that it takes to boil a kettle, which I'm told is about two minutes, tell us a little bit more about you and the business. Uh, Yeah, you summarised it very well. Uh, I guess a part which probably was quite instrumental before I became a lawyer was doing psychology at university and becoming pretty obsessed with how you measure consumers and, and can ac- accurately predict like future trends, etc. And then as you, yeah, you're right, I, I became a lawyer for my sins, but advocating on behalf of consumers, hopefully won me a few brownie points. But essentially during that whole big data consumer advocacy space, I was, I was working opposite the likes of Amazon, Google, Facebook, etc. And I really began to understand the power of big data and consumer data to, you know, building the world's biggest businesses. And at the same time, my dad was in bricks and mortar retail. So he was 30 years as the CEO of the Booksellers Association in the UK. And yeah, at the time when I first began having the seeds of around shoe rating, he was getting pretty beaten up by Bessos. So Amazon came on the scene and 50% of the bookshops in the UK went under. And so dad was all around how you could, yeah, beat Bessos with an incredible in-store experience, knowledgeable staff, welcoming environments, et cetera. And he had all these plans, but no consumer data. So he didn't really know whether these things were going to work, whether the store teams would be carrying them out. And so, yeah, that was, that was me on a mission, basically. I began asking him what kind of, yeah, what kind of consumer data do some of these bookshops have? And, you know, most of it was just sales figures, which is a complete stab in the dark because so much can influence those. And then the rest were some of them were seat-based surveys where, you know, only the angry animated Mm. ever bother filling those out. And so I thought if you could get people feeding back in the moment, as they pay for something, make it super simple, super quick, we'd all answer one question. And if you could rotate it, then you'd get that wealth of data. 
And yeah, and so that was the idea. You leverage that payment terminal or that moment when someone pays for something. And so what sounded a simple idea has actually been quite complicated as we've worked with the world's biggest payments companies to build our technology and deploy it onto those payment terminals. But the beauty of it is in that simplicity, we hear from 80% on average of customers in the store. And we also all anonymously and obviously protecting consumer rights, given my heritage, but we also can see how much people spent. Um, we can see patterns of returning behavior, what's in the basket, and all that really builds to give a really rich picture back to the retailer of what they need to do to improve on to provide a better customer experience. So uh, yeah, that was the... Wow, just that like the that. Just like that. Oh, taken a few years. <laughs> How amazing. I love what I absolutely love about this. It came from retail basics the fundamentals of supporting your dad and people like him and we know there are so many retailers physical retailers around the world that really just want to fight back as you said with really strong customer service in store you know really knowledgeable staff and I love that that led to this incredible incredible tool but the other thing there and we have to just touch on it again 80% of consumers you're capturing, like that is mind blowing that so many people with a click of a button. And I must say, I've been one myself recently, which is so exciting. Even here in the West of Ireland, click of the button, my feedback is instant. And then, as you say, you're collating all of this and it, it can only go to serve the retailer with really rich, true data points. Yeah, exactly. Like if you think about the the status quo before true rating, as I said, these receipt-based surveys, like mm. it ends up being, you know, a handful of responses at a store level, if you, you know, if, if that a week, and it's like a tiny percent of customers. And you just don't know whether to take action on that, you know, or someone's complaining about like slipping on some bleach or some rude member of staff. And it's, you know, as managers, as operators, you're getting in all this feedback going, you know, I don't, is that just someone really noisy with a mm. with a grudge or is it data which I need to action? And, you know, the power of hearing from 80% of customers means that you can cut that, all that massive data to granular, hour by hour, store by store, this is what we're seeing. And that means ultimately that's what leads to being able to take action. You can trust the data and you can see you know, we've got a problem with the store being clean across these times of day. We, yeah, we need to invest in more staff training, ensuring, you know, people are knowledgeable about what they're selling at these stores, you know, and it's that being able to take action, being able to provide better customers experience, which it's got to all be about really. Absolutely. And I think you're really valuing the customer because of course, any action you take is going to better serve the customer. It's going to lead to a better experience. So it feels incredibly circular as well, which I absolutely love. So, Across so many different categories then, we know food, pharma, furniture, you've now gathered, and again, my mind is blown by this figure, you've now gathered half a billion ratings of usable data. And actually, I must just say, if you go on the website, I've now become a little obsessed with seeing this figure build and build and build in real time, which is just bonkers, because it's absolutely incredible that that's what you've been able to do with, with your retailers. So from 
all of that data then that's being collated, are there any key kind of themes that stand out then to you? Yeah, I think, you know, as you touched on, we're in such diverse verticals from, you know, Canada Post with post offices all throughout Canada to auto centers to some of the top fashion brands, grocery, footwear, yeah, discount, etc. So of course, all those, all those diverse verticals. And it was really surprising, actually, the commonalities of what essentially makes good retail appeared, you know, appeared across, across the board, really. And I think the first, the first, and we can dive into this deeper was really the people are your power, you know, really, it is your experience of a brand is only as good as your last experience, essentially. And that experience is predominantly shaped by the people who are representing it on the on the store floor when you go in. And, you know, so really ensuring that you're investing in those frontline operators and they are living and breathing your brand is, yeah, is key. And we can dive into some of those aspects in a bit more detail. But I'd say what was also interesting across all those sectors was I think we're at the age of, you know, we're at the time and age of experience. Mm. And, you know, those retailers, which are, you know, see their store simply as, you know, warehousing and price fulfillment, et cetera. They're the ones which I think are gonna, gonna struggle. It's people are not looking to buy off Amazon because they want that experience and they want to be able to touch and feel the products to be able to talk to people about them and you know I, I think back to those signs which you know lovely to look at lovely to hold you know you play with this product consider it sold or you break this product or <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> but what we're seeing is those retailers which encourage you to play so that could be anything from you know would you like me to take these into the fitting room for you would you like another size or you know did you sample any of our you know products in store you know all the the explosion from the likes of Sephora and Alta you know these types of makeup brands which are all about you going in and experiencing the products to getting behind a car for you know and really encouraging test drives so really it's it's that experience which is so key to conversion so that creativity about how you can really get to live and breathe the brand and its products in a very yeah in a truly tactile way I think has been key I love that and I think especially coming out of you know COVID and lockdowns and not being allowed to touch stuff I think the fact that your data is showing this more than ever now as you say and I'm even doing it with my hands right here (laughs) is you want to touch whether you do you want to touch and feel whether it's feeling what that lipstick is like on what it's feeling like that steering wheel in your hand that you're about to invest in so much of what we do is to entice shoppers into store but then allow them play you have to have them play if you want them to kind of love your brand as much as you yeah exactly like we've seen on average if you experience the product you spend 24 percent more and so that is yeah that is an incredible incredible investment that's unbelievable any other kind of key insights then from from this half a billion and I'm going to keep saying it because it's still shocking (laughs) half a billion pieces of data like it's it's phenomenal yeah yeah it's I think what as I said to that people is power what what's interesting is looking at what aspects of that emotional connection which people are really looking for and I think it you know it goes again to the sort of fundamentals of human human psychology the Mm. power of a smile 
and the power of a hello. And I, I saw something recently on LinkedIn how a grocer in New Zealand now has a an aisle, uh, a checkout aisle, which is called Have a Chat Aisle. And it's like where, where you know, especially elderly people, yeah. the, you know, they've got, they live in an area where there's a lot of elderly who miss that, you know, emotional connection and coming to the coming to the shop for a chat but yeah it's not just we all we all like you know we all like that and I think again interestingly that the power of when were you greeted with a hello today we see people spend 20% more and I think it's not just you know that hello is that sign to say we've formed a connection. You can approach me now mm-hmm. and, you know, ask me about whether you've got your size, that you've seen a product, you know, you've, you've built that, built that connection that it often means that people will yeah, come to you for questions around the product, which means that then there's a much higher chance of conversion. So a power of a smile, a hello. And uh, yeah. And I also think we've really just seen how, again, that passion for a product has been really key and you can't you know you can't really fake you know fake that and so what was interesting like a good example was with a high-end sneaker trainer company I've been in the US too long sneaker Uh, a high-end trainer company which we were working with in London we saw a dip in their customer experience scores and service scores go down and that was impacting their revenue and bottom line we're like you know what could this be about and, and basically, they had changed their recruitment strategy to look for people who just had retail experience rather than people who had experience of, like, you know, loving trainers and being obsessed with trainers. And that was really impacting the amount of people they could convert. And so, again, I just think it, it's that, you know, that investment of well, hiring practice and then investment to ensure people really understand uh, your product or ambassadors of it and can convert those uh, your customers to be the that's same. incredible and like you've just reacted there because I'm sat here gobsmacked but yet <laughs> not surprised look an awful lot of what I do whether it's training retailers or educating them through various levels of education is to talk about this importance of yeah we've we're all going through this digital transformation that's a given but the emotional connection, which I'm sure goes back to your father's time and people he was seeing and working with, this kind of face-to-face human connection, the emotional connection, is far superior and far more important than anything else we could be doing right now. So I love the fact that retailers mm. want you to gather that data, but also by the sounds of it, they're kind of, they're reacting to it. That's fascinating about the recruitment aspect. Cause again, it brings it on one further level. This is all about people. You know, as you said a few minutes yeah. ago, retail really is about people. Does, I, I suppose, does any of that surprise you considering we're all very tech savvy now, retail has to be, it's had to move on. But mm. does the very fact that it comes down to these fundamentals of people, does it surprise you at all? Well, I think, you know, I was, I was just at the Store Operations Council here in the US where you have you know, people in store operations from across the US retailers. And it was, obviously, there was a huge amount of excitement around, you know, workforce management tools out there now, you know, communication tools to really help those on the front line and, and, you know, all these amazing progressions in tech. And I think it's all to remove the busy work of what is essentially, you know, very much on the shoulders of a lot of uh, store associates now. You know, you, you speak to them and they're like, I've got to, 
you know, I've got to do this. I've got to pick up for our BOPIS. I've got to unpack, stock the shelves, price. You know, they'll run through all their tasks. And from our perspective, what we've seen is if you can get those store associates, if you can deploy technology to, to help them with all that busy work, that back office stuff, which is taking their time to do those timetables, et cetera, mm. et cetera, and get them out focusing in the face and to the customers and that's where you're going to see the biggest the biggest yield and reward like we have we've asked so many questions of consumers like what tech do they value in store and it's all interesting but most of it is things to like things like apps to help them navigate the store came interestingly out on top but things like self-checkout if, if they can't find assistance quickly with self-checkout you know that really leads to a poor poor customer experience you know like whether it's you're buying booze or you know you can't find the lookup product or whatever and so ensuring that if you are going to invest in tools like self-checkout that you're not removing those people from on the shop floor that they're still there to be present to offer assistance has been has been absolutely key as well so I think it's always just never forgetting in any technology yeah any technology decisions and investment decisions which you make on the on the shop floor it's ensuring that you're not in forgetting that human element in training which is key to always pair them pair them up yeah it it sounds it sounds so it sounds so relevant now as you say because we have become task heavy there's no getting around that there's a shortage of people within retail Mm. you know worldwide at the moment but if we use that tech to utilize the boring stuff I'm sorry I'm gonna say it because yeah, a lot of that tasking is yeah. it is really boring it, it's needed and we have to do it to run our physical stores especially but I agree that if we actually have people at every point of that customer journey that we continue to put the customer at the heart like many many retailers and brands say they do that then being able to pick up on the data points that you have you know as you say you know have you have you been served by someone today? You know, have you actually met with a physical person? Yeah, that's going to support. That, and that's another really interesting thing because we see that over the years that more and more retailers have tried to pull people back from the shop floor, whether it's been through scheduling, whether it's been through, you know, financial reasons, but they have to be available, as you say. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting just looking at, because we do heat maps, we can see across the, you know, across the time of the day when things are, yeah when when there've been sort of hot pot hot spots and issues and obviously how that impacts revenue and you know often just seeing um you know when there's a shift changeover in shift time between the morning and the late shifts you know has really hurt a number of retailers because people can't find that assistance you know being able to just simply you know ensure that there's a a wider overlap for example or we found that in one retailer when they, you know, they were getting their goods delivered at a certain time. So people left the shop floor to go and unpack them out the back. And just seeing like, literally, you can't argue with it. This is hurting <laughs> bottom line. And, and knowing that you can simply do how much extra would it cost us to put someone on the shop floor for this time? All right, cool. We know we'll make that back because we know customers will spend more. Yeah, is, is key to making those business decisions with confidence. And then you can, yeah, with our tool, you can simply just A-B, A-B test these theories in a few stores if you want, and then you can get the confidence of that investment and know to roll it out wider. 
I am. Um, I'm going to ask the question at this stage because, again, I know a lot of people in, in you know listening will be thinking, "Oh, heat maps and data." Explain a little bit about how it actually works in a retail setting. So yeah, it's it's really simple. You're just waiting to pay, and uh, you're just you know waiting to tap your card or insert it or whatever, and just literally on the payment device comes a question. So it could be where you greeted in store today or the next person behind you could get, did you find everything you were looking for? So the questions rotate and, you know, you don't have to ask every customer either. If, you know, you've got peak rush hour times, you can ask one every few minutes or whatever, and the questions rotate. So one simple question, and then you go through to payment. And with every rating, we donate to children's charities across our markets. And retailers can also publish their scores on Google with a true rating profile page, which really brings that visibility around you know consumers are rating but they can also again see how uh, our retailer is doing so that virtuous circle as you said so quick and so easy from a customer perspective and I suppose an awful lot of the way I look at this is it has to be easy for the customer otherwise they're not going to bother you know I think about the retailers where they have given you the receipt to then go online and give your view how many people do that compared to just screwing it up and putting it in the bin? Whereas I suppose if you're waiting to pay and the, you know, the pin pad is there in front of you, it is just a, a quick, you know, God, is it even a couple of seconds, a button and away yeah. you go. Exactly. I think, you know, as you, as especially like looking at the way times are changing, we're also used to micro rating, whether it's, you know, Uber or, you know, our, the delivery of our takeout or whatever. And, and I think, you know, especially when you look at, Gen Z, for example, so many retailers absolutely struggle to try and get engagement mm. from, you know, from that group who want instant, yeah, instant hits. They're not going to log on online later and, and fill in a lengthy questionnaire. It has to be in that moment and, you know, really respective of people's, respective of people's time. So, yeah, it's, we seem to have hit the nail on the head, touch wood. Quick and easy, <laughs> certainly by the sound of it, quick and easy for the customer, but really quick and easy as well for the, for the retailer to take action, which again has to be, has to be there for them to be strategic long-term in that respect. And I suppose with that, by the sound of it, the data can be used across functions. So it isn't even just store managers, we'd say, it can be used at a strategic level. And one thing I found fascinating, and I do love this, because you do often think, oh, too much communication in a store, too much signage. But your data is actually showing that the customer actually appreciates strong communication and that they do read our signage, which again I was fascinated <laughs> by because you know what having worked in store and worked my way up all those years ago you're almost led to believe that there's way too much signage in store nowadays yeah yeah it's yeah it's true I think yeah it's quite interesting we were speaking to you know one of the top management consultants for advising retailers on in-store signage and they're saying that they got their their young associates to stand in car parks and say did you notice this <laughs> Did you notice the sign there? But, you know, obviously with us, we can get that, you know, real time in the moment. And I think, you know, I'm sure, as you all have seen, like how hot retail media is getting now in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, retailers looking at building other revenue streams um, and you really using the, you know, the store as that, as that media hub for CPG, FCMGs, to be able to co communicate to um, consumers. And so 
We we did we asked 135,000 consumers this across August and September around around their views on retail media. Like what was really influencing them in store to to make a purchase? Was it uh, an advert they saw online? Was it a influencer, etc.? And hands down, the the top the top thing was in-store signage. So yeah, 68% of people said in-store signage had influenced their, their decision to purchase that day. And then when asked what makes them try something new, again, it was looking at a, dis- a display in-store or in-store signage. So I think, you know, previously so much of retail media has been really focused online, online mm. when it's so clear to, to track and to, you know, do that ROI with, you know, with the delight of cookies, et cetera, and build that case. But with our technology, we've actually really brought visibility down to a store level and showing, yeah, it may sound additional, but when it's, yeah, it works and consumers, it's there in front of them, opportunistic buying. My mom keeps telling me, darling, you need to change to online grocery shopping because I keep telling her how much <laughs> I go in for a pint of milk and come out $200 poorer because I got so excited at trying new things but yeah it works goodness me and I mean again with your data and being strategic what an easy kind of win to divert a little bit of that cash that we're you know a lot of retailers spending whether it's on influencers social media marketing youtube marketing whatever it might be and actually go back to basics which of course ties Mm. in then with your people data that says you know get the basics right in store customers are going to love you yeah still you know over 90 percent 90 percent plus of all retail revenue is still made on the coalface in store and so yeah let's bring back some of that sexiness to to the retail basics as you say long may that continue as well (laughs) again it's just it's getting those simple things right as you said Georgina it's getting the right people in the right place I love the scheduling aspect I don't think I think we all feel that there needs to be bodies on the floor, but I think very few retailers realise that that crossover might be two or three minutes, but the amount of people that you miss, and of course Mm. then with the wrong signage in store, and I'm very mindful now of that, even thinking about being out at the weekend, what I've seen, what's been wrong, the lack of pricing that's out there. It's these simple, really simple retail basics that are putting money in the top. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously with with our tool, being able to see visibility down to a store of all right, we've, we've got an issue there. You know, the, the kind of thing which you'd never be able to, you know, pick up unless, yeah, the district manager happened to just, you know, that day make a visit or whatever. And so, yeah, being able to get that data real time is just so valuable to be able to act on that cons- customer promise. And also then it doesn't lump everybody in again in an area or a region. Mm. It's very specific to a store, as you said, down to the moment as to what's worked or what hasn't, which can only be great learnings and a, a great investment for the brands that have come on board because it's not just a generalization. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think so much of customer experience has all been like at this brand level before, you mm. know, and it's like everyone in a boardroom will sit and think, oh, yeah, that's great. That's our brand. But like ultimately, you know, apart from advertising slogans and all of that kind of stuff, how is that actually, you know, really impacting how people are acting down on the down on the shop floor? And I think that's been a massive miss. It only get better. I do. I love it. So 
but I do. I do know. Do you know what? And we've spoken before. I come from frontline retail. I've I've certainly worked with and led huge teams on the shop floor. Data like this over the years would have been invaluable because you can really start to polish what's worked well, but also really pick out what's not working because you've got very specific data. So I'm sure there's an mm. awful lot of store managers or regional managers out there that are loving this because it's a better use of their time as well. And I also think it takes the emotion out of it. Having spoken to so many operators and met, you know, a good retailer like you, Melissa, you know in your gut what needs to be, what needs to be done and to happen. But it's like, you know, suddenly there's no, you know, you have the conversation with your team. Guys, you can't argue it. This is what our customers are telling us. And this is what we need to improve. And this is, yeah, this is how much better we can be. And, you know, not having that, not having that emotive discussion where people discount what they're going to hear about in receipt-based surveys. They don't trust that. Or they think, you know, yeah, they don't trust their manager. Suddenly the data speaks. It's transparent volumes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's transparent. Yeah, exactly. And also the cheeky part of me is thinking, right, well, I can go to head office and ask for more money for X, Y, and Z because the data is telling <laughs> yeah, me yeah. that as well. So yes. I tell you, it definitely works both ways. <laughs> Completely. Thank you for your, yeah, for your huge advocacy. That's amazing. Oh, absolutely. Well, have to as a frontline retailer because it works. It's back to basics. So final question. And I'm almost scared to ask this because I, I see the explosion of, of the company and the brand globally over the last few years. What on earth is coming up next for True Rating? Yeah, well, yeah, it's all growth. So we're all focused on bringing yeah, some amazing retailers and brands on board. We've grown 100% year on year last year and the year before. So it's and next to be even even more next year. So yeah, really exciting. Exciting with that. But I think for me, it's really pushing on ensuring that we get the communication like from retailers back to their customers. Like what have we changed based on your feedback? And so I really want to focus on getting that getting that circle of communication back so consumers can see at a local level the changes which are happening all the time and really feel empowered so I'm excited to do that with some of our some of our retailers first out the gate so more there and then obviously I I am really excited about all the advancements in predictive analytics AI etc and really just beginning to flush all of our data through that so beginning to say like okay we can see Historically, you've always had a problem on like Wednesday afternoons with stop cleanliness, be on your game on Tuesday because tomorrow, tomorrow week you might have the same issues. So I think, uh, you know, the whole area around that and being able to really leverage some of those tools is, is pretty exciting and our product team are, are whirling with that. So, yeah, I think I, my, my team to have a popcorn brain. So as uh, many ideas will be <laughs> coming over the next. I'm excited. I have so, but, genuinely uh, excited then to see what's coming up because with what the work you've done so far with the phenomenal brands that are on board, you know, no wonder they're delighted with it because it makes uh, sense, as you said, it makes sense for the front run retailer, it makes sense for the brand themselves. But as you bring it back to every time, it makes sense for the customer out there as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Thanks, Melissa. Oh, you're very welcome. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast episode, please do like and share it. Remember, you can listen back to past Retail Tea Break episodes on your favourite podcast platform or, of course, on YouTube. 
do please connect with Georgina and myself on LinkedIn. And I'll obviously pop True Ratings website link into the show notes and you'll be able to find the show notes and the transcript for today's episode on theretailadvisor.ie. Georgina, thank you so much for your time and your insights today. Thank you so much for having me.